funny English is daring. Johnny English is dashing. Agent One, you overestimate your power over women. I'd say that would be virtually impossible. Johnny English is dreaming. English! Gentlemen, Agent One. Hello? This is Intelligence Headquarters. Remember when I told you the only way you'd become an agent was if all the other agents were dead? Well, put some bloody clothes on and get over here right away. Thank you, sir. You're unbelievable. Johnny English. A good agent doesn't need gadgets. The only gadgets I've ever needed are a sharp eye, a finely tuned ear, and a slightly bigger brain than is strictly necessary. Oh, well, none of us is perfect. When the future of England is threatened... Get out there and save your country. British intelligence is coming. I had his flat bugged. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> From the producers of Bean... Rowan Atkinson. He might be a fool. But he's a fool who keeps showing up. Johnny, be careful. I'm always careful. Oh. Johnny English. They say that sea urchin's the ultimate acquired taste. It's a personal favorite of mine. Excuse me. Yes, I am sorry. Sorry. Johnny English, I'm a secret agent. Sorry, I am sorry. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. called us a movie testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time subscribe to the podcast on itunes and other podcast services by searching they called us a movie we're part of the main naming network and to find more from us check out the website at the main or on twitter facebook and instagram at the main we are also now a proud member of geek vibes nation you can find them at gvnation.com welcome back to they called us a movie this is anthony delvec and with me as always is dan aquino and mark myers say hello gentlemen how's it going everyone good i thought it was crazy at first guys but I think it was a good idea doing back-to-back Eric Roberts movies, but I just... <laughs> oh, no. What did you watch? Um, wait, we weren't watching all the Stalked by My Doctors in a row? Oh, no, Mark. Uh, we'll have to pause this recording. I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> we will hold down the fort until you get back. <laughs> Although I can't say I'm not jealous. That is pretty awesome. Tell us about the sex no- the, the sexomnia episode, oh, episode four. So you see when... No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to They Call This Movie, and we're going to skip what we usually do uh, during this quarantine when we talk about what we've watched, because we basically didn't watch much, and it's pretty much easier to just go right into the movie we did watch. So this week, this was a a listener choice. So Dan, do you want to kind of give us a little bit of a introduction to what movie we picked? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like Anthony said, this was a listener pick. So a uh, quick shout out to listener Jake. 
thank you for the for the recommendation and our good friend of the podcast jake chose johnny english why he chose johnny english not a clue maybe he was watching it and he was like yeah this would be a good episode uh either way Thank you for the recommendation. So this week's episode is the Rowan Atkinson vehicle, Johnny English. Not to be confused with Johnny English Reborn, because I started to watch that, and I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. (laughs) So they're both on Netflix, and I'm glad I didn't get further than 10 minutes into uh, Reborn, because I would have hated myself even more having knowing that I would have to watch the first Johnny English. That, yeah, that would have been you, my yeah, personal because help. you would have already been spoiled. Right. Oh, yeah, because he lives. <laughs> <laughs> would you be surprised to know that there was a third Johnny English movie that came out in 2018? 2018, yeah. Unbelievable. I want to start this episode with a hot take, and all of our fans across the pond might get angry and boycott us. I don't know what you guys see in Rowan Atkinson. Like that is that just like a strictly English thing like that's their humor like oh that old british humor because he's awful <laughs> i don't get it wow. i thought he was like like king of the pratfall and everything you know slapstick i don't see it man i not not at least in this movie maybe in reborn but not here maybe he figures it out in the sequel maybe yeah, yeah maybe he gets a stride <laughs> yeah his own his only real pratfall physical comedy is is you know when he gets the muscle relaxer but that, that's really the only time. I know his whole claim to fame was Mr. Bean. And I'm sure it's great if you like poop jokes and fart jokes. Because, that, I mean, this this movie is pretty rife with that. God, I, I expected better. So you thought, have, never, have you ever seen Mr. Bean? I saw some of the, the old sketches from when I was a kid. And it didn't right. make me laugh then. And, and I'm not going to say I'm an auteur of of comedy here like, i'm not the i'm not the end all be all of comedy but so. and it doesn't take a lot to make me laugh you guys know this yeah i laugh at the stupidest stuff ever and i can say in all honesty not a single laugh was had at this movie at my okay. so the mr bean isn't your umbrella academy to me no no i okay. i've actually watched mr bean <laughs> 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 sorry <laughs> Mark, uh, yeah, Rowan so. Atkinson, where are you coming from? So um, he's part of the the actors that I put in the Pantheon, which you know ad nauseum that I've said to you, and is that you can all a great comedic actor can always be really good in dramatic straight roles. And it's very hard to do the vice versa. And whenever he gets to play a character where he's not doing the slapstick and he's not doing you know the gags and all and just playing something like with a little bit of a wink and a nod sort of thing. Like I always bring up Love Actually, those little bits that he's in there. He still has a little bit of comic to him, but he's not making it as like, ha you're supposed to laugh at this. It's just just very well done. Um, I've seen the Bean movies. Again, for some reason, my mother made us watch them because she loved them. So I was like, you got to watch this. But I don't have, remember having any affinity for wanting to go back to them. But I, you know, I do kind of get that what he's famous for watching this movie because i've heard of it haven't actually been able to see it but my hot take is that this might have been for the time the best bond movie to come out in 10 years at that this point when this was released in 2003 this movie gets all of the right trappings with what made good bond movies but tries to put like a bumbling idiot being in those situations but all the you know sneaking in through the windows on the side of a building, jumping out of a plane, 
or secret henchmen doing doing identity swaps with people, secret DVDs where the plan are is revealed by the villain, you know, all that stuff. But then just instead of James Bond or Sean Connery or something, you drop Johnny English into it. And it's supposed to be hilarity and suit. I don't know how you both could sit here with a straight face and tell me this movie is better than anything. <laughs> have Have you watched Die Another Day? I've <laughs> seen almost every Bond movie, and I could say that this this movie can't hold a candle to a single James Bond movie. You have not watched Quantum of Solace. <laughs> that's I think that's one of the only ones I have not watched. I probably yeah. missed three that i can think of this movie is not even the worst james bond movie that these writers have written (laughs) (laughs) it's literally the setup is johnny english goes somewhere he goes to the wrong place his sidekick goes to the right place and has to remind him that he's in the wrong place that's this movie look i am not gonna say that i wasn't bored out of my mind it took me all afternoon to watch this a second time (laughs) I it started took me two at sittings three. Well. It started at three. I didn't finish it until eight thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm telling you, man. Not a, to me again. This was also. This came out in 2003. A different time, obviously. But even in 2003, I couldn't imagine a single joke landing. I laughed once, and we'll get into the spot where I la- where I laughed at, and it's completely a stupid joke that is not really dwelled on. But it made me like chuckle a little bit. But yeah, yeah. So I'm not a big Bond fan. I'll say that right, right out of the gate. I think there are more, there are more bad Bond movies than there are good mo- Bond movies. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, agree with that as a Bond fan. I, <laughs> I liked Mr. Bean as a kid. I haven't revisited in my adulthood. I'm assuming I'm just, I would not. He's kind of like. He's kind of like Weird Al for me. Great for kids, and there's still people as adults that like appreciate him and love him. I don't get it. Like, yeah, I don't get like I don't get Weird Al. Like, I don't get adults loving Weird Al. I don't. I I get kids loving Weird Al. I don't get it. Adults loving Weird Al. And the same thing with Mr. Bean. I totally understand why kids would love Mr. Bean. Wouldn't understand someone that's like a diehard Mr. Bean fan as an adult. Just seems weird to me. Seems like infant, infantilizing adulthood, you know, and right. society. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. To me, Rowan Atkinson is a poor man's Leslie Nielsen. Sure. This does feel like this feels like Naked Gun if nobody else in the story was in on the joke. Because that's that's the whole thing about the Naked Gun movies. Like it's a spoof, but like everybody's a buffoon, really. Yes. Like George yeah. Kennedy's a buffoon. O.J. Simpson's a buffoon. Like, but Frank Drebin is always the biggest buffoon of of everybody. Yeah. But but even like the gu- the gunfights are, you know, they're they're both stand sitting on one side of a box on either side of a box and they can't hit each other. Right. They're two <laughs> feet away from each other. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the gags are so much better. Like. Yeah. This feels yeah. like a buffoon, like Frank Drebin walking through Lethal Weapon. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And in Leslie and in Naked Gun series, he always stumbles into the solution. In this, he doesn't even stumble into anything. It's mm-hmm. he he goes out of his way all the time to some complete uh, completely unnecessary scene, and it's the partner who does the right thing. He doesn't even succeed in getting the villain 
to admit that he's wrong, essentially. Like, the villain does it himself. It's like one of those things where, uh, it's like a SpongeBob episode where the, like, the bully kidnaps, or, like, Plankton kidnaps SpongeBob, and SpongeBob just annoys the shit out of Plankton. (laughs) It's like, all right, this is, I'm done with this. That's essentially what happens here. John Malkovich just gets so tired of Johnny English's bullshit. He's like, I don't even want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm giving myself up. So he just annoys the villain into admitting he's wrong. Sure. Right. I kind of, I kind of like the switcheroo of the, of the sidekick always being the. So it's kind of like Big Trouble in Little China. Mm -hmm. It's like Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China is, is the buffoon in that movie, and it's always his sidekick that like saves the day. Basically, it's really his story. That's Um, true. I feel like they could have played that up a little bit more. It's, it's also like Green Hornet ish too, where. Cato is is the is Bruce Lee of of you know of course so it's yeah. like uh, yeah obviously he's the better one I didn't hate this movie I was just bored out of my mind yeah, um, but get... the one thing I'll say is it made me watch the Natalie Imbruglia torn <laughs> music video like four or five times Can... she was cute as hell and I didn't I feel like I did not appreciate it in 1997 because I was 12. And she had short hair. And I feel like when you're 12, you don't really, you haven't really created a taste. You've known, you know, you like women, but it's very generic in terms of what you like. So that's like why Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy were like sex symbols, like blonde hair, big boobs. That's like the minimum that you know about women is like, I don't know, but gutturally, I like big boobs and blonde (laughs) hair seems to be the way to go. And then you mature into an ass man. That's just the cycle sure. of life, you know? I mean, like, yeah. Natalie Imbruglia does not fit that that role, though. She's no. very and, waifish. But she's super cute in that video, though. Yeah, and, if you were if you're my age and you're in your 30s now and you haven't revisited it, go in. She's, like, 22 at the time. Yeah. Super cute. She's wearing, like, a sweatshirt. Totally down for it. I was surprised to find out she was 28 in this movie. I thought she would be, like, in her 30s at least by this point i didn't realize how young she was in in the torn video the the thing i was going to say about her was like i can't be the only one that thinks uh this role was first offered to kylie minogue and she said no i was trying to think why she's in this movie i don't know what it is. she was in that soap opera in australia i believe yeah eastenders or something like that whatever that's called and that's like really her only role that she's ever had. So I was like, that was like 10 years before yeah. this movie ever came out. Why all of a sudden her? It's entirely, I never even thought about Kylie Minogue. I, I, I could see that. Yeah. Natalie Imbruglia seems like a Bond girl, though, really. Yeah. She's like sort of Australian, sort of British. Um, I think she's from Sydney, Australia. She's from Australia, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, was, like that, a, she was the highlight to me. She wasn't in yeah. enough as far as I was concerned. Exactly. Uh, I yeah, don't and think the, there was uh, any highlights in this movie. <laughs> yeah, There's got to be a highlight. Uh, she doesn't do John anything. John Malkovich's hair? Yeah, maybe like, John Malkovich. <laughs> uh, no. His terrible French accent. He's so bad in this movie. He is very bad. That's what I'm saying. There's really nothing that's, good. That's, that's but there's it's... always a highlight. You know, there's always a high, a, the brightest part of a picture. It's all relative, but there's the brightest part of a picture, and that's the highlight. For me, that's that was Natalie Imbruglia. That's why I was specific about his hair. Not him in this movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'll try, uh, well, Mr. Gibbs from Pirates of the Caribbean is in this movie. <laughs> he's okay i guess i don't know the, the partners but i i agree that Natalie was yeah was was the highlight she should have been in it a little bit more they should have played up the bond and bond girl-esque part of this instead of just the limited amount she was in 
She should have been the sidekick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which explains a lot when you think, I wonder which one of these writers took the lead on this of the, cause it's two of them, right? Neil Purvis They're, and Robert Wade. Yeah. They wrote Casino Royale and Quantum, right? They wrote every James Bond film since World is Not Enough. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> they wild. wild. A lot of Bond movies. <laughs> that explains a lot. Man, that's, that's a great, um, that's a great meal ticket right there. Yep. Yeah. They've only gotten the Bond girl right once. What? Once? In those movies from there? Wait, so who was the right one? Uh, Vesper Lynn. Vesper Lynn. Lynn from yeah. Not Eva Green? That's, that's Vesper Lynn. Oh, I was going to say. I didn't, yeah. So wait. So Eva Green. Did they write the Christmas Jones one, or is that before them? Uh, I think that's The World Four. Is Not Enough. Okay. That's Denise Richards. Yeah, yeah not, not great. <laughs> and Die Another Day is, I guess, uh, Roseman Pike and Halle Berry. That's Halle Berry. Yeah, that, that's not good either. And then... Quantum is that Olga. Olga Kurilenko. Kurilenko. Yeah, and I don't really remember who's in Skyfall. Who's Skyfall? Skyfall is technically M. I think he kills the the woman in Skyfall, oh, doesn't he? No, the. Oh uh, no, that's that's the next one. That's um, yeah. Uh, with with Christoph Waltz. Uh, Spectre. Spectre. Yeah, he winds up killing the Bond girl. <laughs> yeah. This movie's better than Spectre. It's better than Quantum of Solace. I like as Quantum a Bond Solace. movie. I liked Spectre. I thought that was pretty good. I didn't hate Spectre. Quantum yeah. of Solace is garbage. I was I, told that, so I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, Spectre. The only thing about Spectre is they, in my opinion, when I saw that the guy that played a Moriarty in the Sherlock series was in Spectre, I was hoping he would be the villain, hmm. the main villain. Oh, he's so um, good. I forget his escapes me. Yeah, but... I was like, oh, yeah, that's a young actor is really good as Moriarty. You know, he can be a really good villain that you can do multiple things of because Spectre is supposed to be like this evil super group, essentially. But they went with what it was. Havi- yeah, no, was it Javier Bardem or is Christoph Waltz? Spectre it's Christoph, is Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Yeah. yeah. Going back to now knowing the lineage of who wrote this Johnny English, you can see that they they get enough of the spy genre right, but they miss bits and pieces and they get lucky sometimes in their writing with it um and this wasn't one of those times they got lucky no time to die has anna de armas yeah she's she's gonna gonna be awesome yeah i love her i can honestly say i don't remember a goddamn thing about specter i i think dave bautista is in it he is andrew scott i believe is uh, andrew scott yeah who was also in 1917 i believe he played one of the also the quote-unquote hot priest from that show fleabag that everybody was so obsessed with. Mm, okay. I watched an episode he's, of with my wife and she was like, eh. Yeah, his, <laughs> his, his reveal as Moriarty is one of my favorite moments in watching a TV show because they build it up for so long. And then just the flip of his personality in that scene is, is really, really well done. So, so are, are we saying that to make Johnny English better, we just turn it into Sherlock Holmes? No. Oh, what The way to make Johnny English better is to say what, do what Ant said, which is essentially make it Naked Gun, but a spy movie. Yeah. The British you know? version of Naked yeah. Gun. Yep. Where everyone's in on the joke. Yeah, so everyone's what, a buffoon. Yeah. So yeah. what? Like, what's the English term or the British term for Naked Gun? Can we, I guess is there a place to just... put an extra U somewhere in there? Or... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that goes. <laughs> I don't gun, know. Gun is just gun, right? Yeah. Well, they don't have guns there. But... Oh, that's true. Well, just like the bombs don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've been told that there's no guns in England. There's like yeah. farmland in England. <laughs> I guess it's just like something knickers. Can we put knickers in there? Because that's the only English term I know. 
So Johnny English from 2003, directed by Peter Howitz, director of Sliding Doors, Antitrust, and Laws of Attraction, among others. Written by, as we mentioned, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade, writing team behind every James Bond film since The World Is Not Enough. It stars Rowan Atkinson, Natalie Imbruglia, Ben Miller, John Malkovich, Greg Wise, Tim Piggott-Smith, Roland Davies, and Tim Barrington. Has an IMDb score of 6.2 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 33%. Budget of $40 million. Box office only $28 million in the U.S., but made $160 million worldwide. So it was a success. Yeah. I just, I just thought something. I don't know. Again, I, I got to remember what the world was like in 2002 or three or whenever this would have been cast. Really, but, um, really obsessed with DVDs, according to this movie. Everything's yeah. on DVD. In this movie. Yeah. But I was thinking they should have had that guy that comes in as agent one should have been. They should have found a way to get like a Timothy Dalton or a Roger Moore to like just make a cameo for that sure. role. But again, I don't know what those guys were doing or what their relationship was. With Pretty wanting sure. to be in that stuff. Pretty sure Timmy Dalton was available. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, have a, that would have been a that would have been a cool cameo. Maybe they do it in other movies. Was there a cameo in Reborn, Dan? I again, I only saw ten minutes of it, so <laughs> I think there's a cat. Okay. At one point, maybe the cat right. makes. Timmy a... Dalton's cats in Johnny English Reborn confirmed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I th- and I think I think that was what everyone really wanted. Just the. Yeah. There you go. See, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the yeah. cat. Thank you. <laughs> and joining us is Timothy Dalton's cat. <laughs> it's our first guest speaker. That's pretty cool. Do you guys want to get into the plot? Well, I was gonna say, uh, what are the chances that Rowan Atkinson comes after me after hearing this? He'd probably bungle it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's his mo. <laughs> right. I don't know if I'd be able to to uh, stand up to Rowan Atkinson the way I stand up to Clint Howard and <laughs> and others. The girl from <laughs> Stalked by My Doctor, The Return. <laughs> well, I think I'm probably more afraid of her than Rowan Atkinson. Because like you said, I feel like Rowan Atkinson would really just like, he would come out and like slip on a banana peel or something. Sure. And just knock himself out. I don't have to worry about him. <laughs> the, the other girl's from Boise, Idaho. She's tough. <laughs> she's, she's, she's got a wrestle, wrestling cattle. Yeah, she's she's farm farmland tough, you know. <laughs> Chopping wood. I think that's what they do in Boise, Idaho. I don't know. I've never been. Her triceps are huge. <laughs> <laughs> she tills the field. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> Quads for days. You guys want to go into the plot? Sure. All right. What do you got for us, Dan? All right. So as I've been doing every week for the past few weeks, I like to talk about our friend Tia from Geek Vibe Nation and give a shout out to her podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and her crew get together and they discuss top 10 lists of top 10 actors, top 10 Marvel movies, top 10 directors, top 10 girls from Boise, Idaho. Now they have to do that. That's canon. So go visit them at geekvibesnationgvnation.com. Give her a shout out on Twitter, TC underscore Stark. She's a good friend of the podcast. She's a good person overall. Go check her out and give her her your love. All right. And we're going to take a minute to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back with the plot of Johnny English. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. 
You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do about I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into the plot of Johnny English. We open on Mr. Bean attempting to sneak into what appears to be some sort of centuries-old estate. We get two guard dogs that get alerted to his presence, but he luckily has two squeaky toys with him, so he's able to divert their attention. And he was able to divert my dog's attention as well. (laughs) As soon as he started squeaking it, Bailey went nuts. So you're saying he's an effective spy? Uh, At least in his dream. (laughs) So Johnny English then rappels down into the estate and immediately is met by two guards uh, dressed all in black with automatic weapons, manages to knock them out with their own guns. He then makes it into a room where he seems to find a collection of papers that he was looking for. And then the countess turns on the light, pulls a gun on him and tells him that he can't seduce his way out of this one, more or less. And then he does. But not until we dissolve out to realize that Johnny has been dreaming this whole time. And then they linger on that joke for a little too long with the close up of his face. Close up of his face making kissy faces. Then Bog, Johnny's assistant, wakes him up asking him for the mission documents he was supposed to have ready. And then Agent One walks in, the James Bond of this movie, I suppose. Should have been a cameo. I will. Should have been a cameo, yeah. Bet you there were plans for it to be a cameo, yeah. but it fell through. Johnny, in real life, is apparently some sort of middle management type of MI7. He gives Agent One his mission documents, which includes the codes to the submarine hatch, which he checked himself, he assures Agent One. So Agent One heads off, and Johnny admires him all starry-eyed. And then we cut to Agent One's funeral, who died during the mission because the submarine hatch failed to open. So, <laughs> officially, Johnny's first kill. Yeah. 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 How is he not immediately fired? Uh, I don't think anybody uh, realized that that was the problem. Oh, then that's oh. just terrible. Also, Johnny's a fucking liar. Yeah. <laughs> what? In He's what not terms? a good person. He's not a good person. He. No. Well, because he'll do anything to throw people under the bus in this movie oh, and make himself look good yep yeah he oh, lies yeah. at every turn he put he knocks out the secretary and pretends it didn't happen and then he mm-hmm. knocks out the head of security and then pretends that he fought off a well we'll get into all of this but yeah, yeah johnny english is not a good person <laughs> all right, he there's no way even as the last resort they should have called someone else up to be a, a special agent well, no, it was like literally those are the only two special agents left. It doesn't matter. They should really, have called it, in the CIA. Like, right. Yeah, At we this need point, some help. Yeah, you, you take a loner. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got anyone? 
please. You and your gangs got anyone over there for us? <laughs> right, yeah, they, they just send, you know, they send a, a burnout. Like, yeah, it's yeah. better. <laughs> I mean, Jeffrey Wright helps out in Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah, send over Jeffrey Wright for God's sake. <laughs> Johnny talks about how when an agent like Agent One dies, someone always rises to the occasion to take his place. Those people that he's talking about all then blow up by a bomb planted in the coffin because they're all pallbearers for Agent One. So then we cut to Pegasus, which I guess is this movie's cue. Yeah. Says that they only have one agent left. And cut to opening credits of Johnny English with music via Robbie Williams, which doesn't suck actually. No, it's actually not a pretty bad good main song. title song. Yeah, it's it was it's, too generic for me. I thought it was just like a royalty-free song. It's better. That's a good way to describe Robbie Williams's music. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was probably not the worst. As we're going with the Bond theme here, wouldn't be the worst Bond song. Era. Yeah, definitely in this era. The Madonna one was terrible. Die yeah. another day. Oh, yeah. God, I don't, I don't understand you guys. I really I, don't. I think you should just listen or watch the movies we're mentioning. I have. They're not that bad. They're not great. You haven't seen Quantum of Solace. Well, I haven't seen Quantum of Solace, yes. I've seen the others. But have you heard Die Another Day, the song? Die Another yeah. It's terrible. It's better than this. <laughs> we're, we're, we're comparing levels of terribleness here. So Everything's relative, man. Exactly. So, yeah, Die Another Day is you know like level two like like tier two terrible this was level like four terrible i think it's relative to, so this is a better song than i think this movie deserves yes i can't i can't sit here and agree with that i'm sorry well, go fuck yourself God, it, uh, I, I forgot about it already i this movie I don't is remember super either. forgettable uh, so Johnny walks into Pegasus' office and tosses his coat at a nearby window, trying to impress the Pegasus' secretary. That's the only joke that made me laugh for this whole movie. <laughs> is when he goes to do the Agent One move of throwing the the, the coat onto the coat hook and then just goes out for a, for some reason open window. window. <laughs> it, it's so telegraphed, man. You can see these jokes coming a mile away. I, I didn't see that the fact that there was an open window. I could see him throwing it on her, but just why is there an open window there? That made me chuckle. That was it. <laughs> That's what made you chuckle? Yeah. An open window. <laughs> it just goes right out the window because it's so stupid. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable with, with you guys. I thought it was, I really thought it was going to be something better. Nope, that was it. Okay. Then it was stone face for the rest of the movie. So the secretary gives him a few things to sign and a pen. He mentions that the pen reminded him of a standard issue pen for MI7, which shoots out a paralyzing dart, which he sets off and knocks out the secretary. So then Pegasus comes in and brings him into his office to brief him on the mission. Uh, the event is being, this uh, this is happening throughout this entire scene. The secretary is being attended to by paramedics. Johnny needs to attend an unveiling of the crown jewels, the Tower of London. The event is being attended by the Queen, and this whole restoration project was sponsored by Pascal Sauvage, a prison baron and one of the richest men in the world. Johnny then arrives at the gala and talks over with the head of security and Bog. Was Bog? Is that his name? Bog. Yeah. His right hand. Bog. Man. Yeah. Bog. B O U G H. Bog. Yeah. Yeah. And this is another moment where Johnny is not a good person because immediately when he's put into this agent role, he's just completely shitty. To oh, yeah. Well, th that's what I was time. saying. He essentially it's him messing something up and Bog coming in 
and really just doing the job correctly. And then Johnny English kind of shitting on Bog for calling him out, essentially. Oh, did you mean to go over there, sir? I was doing a perimeter sweep. You should know better. Like, you know, yes, you, you, you suck. You're so bad. It's not even it's not even uh, man. Just none of this is funny. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't. In real life, this guy would have been fired immediately. Like, I feel like Bog would have shot him in the face. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why they went with the premise that they were the only two special agents left. But the, but one that of they them couldn't is, possibly fire him. One of them is actually competent, though. <laughs> yeah. So, so how is that guy not the guy? <laughs> you you promoted the one that you promoted the guy who gave you the wrong numbers that got your top agent killed. How do you not promote the other guy? Yeah, I feel like there should be a a hearing regarding the the events of that mission, and right. that would probably come out. But would it doesn't seem like there has been. Or something? Yeah, a debriefing. Yeah, or what? Yeah, whatever they do over there, I don't know. They sit down <laughs> at tea time and they kind of just like. <laughs> Pearl passive aggressive insults at him like, oh, you really mucked that one up, Johnny. Oh, I, I'm I disagree. Sorry, sir. <laughs> yeah, I, I disagree. <laughs> I, I really wish I had looked up a, a British like slang list before we started this uh, <laughs> this episode because all I know is like lift and flat and the loo. That's about <laughs> it. And 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 mucked up. That's and I know that from uh, like Call of Duty. <laughs> That's as far as I go. So he then spots Natalie Imbruglia, so he goes over to talk to her. She introduces herself as Lorna Campbell, and she worked on the restoration of the jewels. And Pascal Sauvage then attempts to introduce himself, and Johnny mistakes him for a waiter, and then badmouths him and the French while he waits to be introduced. So Pascal then goes off and then addresses the party in order to introduce the newly restored crown jewels. As he does, we see someone in the basement cut the power. Johnny then springs into action as the lights are off. He grabs a bottle of champagne and knocks a guy out that was coming down the stairs. Lights come back on, and it turns out the man was the colonel slash head of security. So Johnny tells everyone that the assailant went into the next room, and he pretends to fight them off. Yeah, this is, this is definitely a gag that I'm assuming is is more of a British or younger kid sense of humor. Uh, I mean, this, this trope's been used forever. This is like a Looney Tunes trope i did quite enjoy the attempting to make it look like he was trying to choke him with the chair uh, set up man i wish i could be uh, as enthused as you guys are <laughs> I do. i'm not saying we don't like it and he's just like not good enough no i i, I want you guys to rip this apart with me <laughs> i need you to be as miserable as i was <laughs> i i want to be on your level i want to be able to talk and enjoy this with you guys <laughs> Even I've, even at your level of, uh, I was bored by it. I can't even be at that level. <laughs> so then he comes out and the lights come back on. So Johnny tells everyone that the assailant went into the next room to fight him off. When we come, when he comes out, he says that everything is now back in order and says the crown jewels are safe and sound. So he opens the security door to the crown jewels and they have been stolen. Surprise, surprise. Dun dun dun. dun. And he gives the whole thing, like, oh, look how beautiful they are. He's not looking at them, that whole gag. Mm -hmm. And he turns around, what? Where could they have gone? Yeah. yeah. So then back at Pegasus' office, the next day, Johnny debriefs and Pegasus asks him to describe the assailant so they could put together a computer representation of the person's likeness. Uh, I like that face that Dan's making right now. <laughs> so Johnny gives a ridiculous description. He's got curly orange hair, an eye patch, Banana-shaped scars on both cheeks. 
and the computer rendering looks like a pirate clown. The payoff for this fucking joke. This might have angered me the most. <laughs> this I can was, see that. Yeah, this was a long. <laughs> this is a long joke. Like, there's like it would been fu- funnier if it was like he makes a description and it winds up looking like Ronald McDonald or something. Like something like people know, just not just this hideous looking uh, hit man with banana shaped, you know, or or like I, the Michelin I, I, tire man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or you can even point the bit where he like maybe describes Pegasus. Sure. You know, and they're like, that looks like me. Es- <laughs> essentially, he 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 made a WWE create your own character. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and speaking of the payoff, I watching this, I'll be honest, I literally hear heard you in my head going, fuck you. When it occurred, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, I watched. So I watched. I finished the movie last night before I went to bed. And I'll tell you, man, that's not the way to go to bed. <laughs> you know how they say never go to bed angry. Never go to bed watching Johnny because that's that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You're just gonna wake up miserable the next day. <laughs> so Johnny and Bo go then race off to the scene of the crime in the fancy agent car, the Aston Martin. At the Tower of London, Johnny briefs the police officers and nearly falls into the hole where the thieves came in, not even realizing that this giant hole is there. Yeah, they basically played the same gag back to back, you know, with the jewels and then this, where he's describing something and being really confident when the obvious answer is right behind him. Yeah. So he sees the giant hole finally, so he sends Bog down into the hole and Bog eventually gets stuck. So Johnny goes in after him and then falls and pushes both of them through the end to the end of the tunnel. In Pitch Black, Johnny then tries to try to sing in order to get a sense of the echoes in the hole, sort of like ultra uh, sonic, sort of like bats do. <laughs> of course, it doesn't work, and he walks right into a wall almost immediately, but Bog finds a ladder and they both climb up it. The ladder then leads to a grating that has them coming up right to where the guys that sold the crown jewels are. Why those guys are still in the general vicinity after several hours is beyond me. They surprise the guys, but then Johnny loses his clip and his gun, and they have a shootout. Bad guys throw a smoke grenade, and they jump into a hearse and drive away. Bog and Johnny proceed on foot until they get to their car, which is being towed. So they then proceed into a car chase using the tow truck with the car still trapped. This is the moment where I realized how Europe is a little different. The fact that the tow truck is made by Mercedes Benz. (laughs) You know, you see that emblem and mostly... When I've seen it over here, it's, you know, on expensive cars and stuff like that. And here it's just on a city vehicle that tows cars away. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right. They probably make other cars, too. Yes, they do. (laughs) And so we have a car chase. And the car chase actually doesn't suck. It's not bad. Uh, Like, it's, it's it's on James Bond level. But it's better than Johnny English deserves, I would say. Yeah, there, there's a lot of moments like that yeah. when they do action scenes. And- yeah. So they're driving, they're chasing. Johnny realizes that they will never catch them in the tow truck. So he climbs into the back and into the Aston Martin. Still attached to the tow truck, Bog swings the car out so it's dangling over traffic as they chase the hearse. Meanwhile, a woman on a motorcycle follows the hearse as well. They get to a stoplight and... Bog drops Johnny and the Aston onto someone's trailer accidentally, and then Johnny actually does a pretty sweet reverse to get off of it, uh, as is better than you would think that he would be capable of doing. And then Johnny follows what he thinks is the hearse to a cemetery and interrupts a funeral. He thinks it's all a ruse to bury the crown jewels in the grave, and then they'd come back for them in a couple weeks. 
He does everything from accusing the widow of being a phony to dancing on the casket until he realizes that the hearse driver is a different person. So he realizes that he followed the wrong hearse. Zabog comes up and says that Johnny is an escaped lunatic and he needs to bring him back to the asylum. And then we get a scene. We cut to, in the least obvious twist ever, John Malkovich winds up being the villain as he is the one that stole the crown jewels. Yeah, he didn't look like a villain at all. And it was it was also John Malcolm's. <laughs> it's it's essentially it's essentially an episode of uh, Law and Order yeah. where the the guest the special guest is always the villain. Yeah. So yeah. And, yeah. 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 And it's very much like when Sean Bean shows up in something. <laughs> right. You're like, there's a 95 percent chance that character is going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they didn't do, which I was surprised that Natalie Umbrulia wasn't in on it. Yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll give you or, that or, one. Or the competent agent. Yeah. Sidekick. Well, I thought it was either going to be the love interest or the actual MI7. I Pegasus thought one of them. True. Yeah, I thought Pegasus might be behind it for some reason. But yeah, no, this yeah, movie's not good enough for that shit. All yeah. right. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't do a double double twist. They yeah. didn't do a uh, was that a Raven? Well, that's or essentially it? every Mission Impossible movie, right? Sure. Where yeah. where uh, w- w- they're MI6. No, what are they? They're um, I forget exactly what uh, Ethan Hunt's. Yeah, I don't remember. But it, it, they're always the ones that betray Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. in every single movie. I think ever <laughs> since Mission Impossible 1, it's always been the government's betrayed you and he still works for the government. So I figured, yeah, maybe they'll do something along those lines. Johnny English will be like they, they got rid of all of the competent agents because they knew, oh, you know, we have Johnny English. He's he's a moron. But then it just bites him in the ass. Yep. They pull that stunt and get smart too. Dwayne, yes. Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson was the uh, the double agent. Okay. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that's. I wanted to point that out because Mark had pointed out at the beginning that what the uh, Natalie Imbruglia mm-hmm. should have been the the sidekick, and I was like, all right, well, that sounds like Anne Hathaway to Steve Carell's character in Get Smart. Mm-hmm. Well, that was actually in the TV show as well, right? Yeah. Agent 99. Yeah. yeah, I guess Get Smart is a better version of this movie, which although I completely forgot that Get Smart exists in terms of that Steve Carell movie. Yeah, and that's not a very good movie either. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah t- the, these are essentially... It, that that TV show is so much better. But. Oh, yeah. Inspector Gadget, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing here, I, I was the whole time, like I said, expecting to have a monologue from the partner being like the second in command to Pasquale. Like going every day, I have to watch you be a buffoon, you know, sort of one of those speeches. When I've been overlooked, I was waiting for that speech to occur um, at some point. But I guess they went a little more straight with it. Just one villain and all I got that. two other movies, though, so it could happen. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's John Malkovich. He has plans to try and usurp the throne and become king of England. Sauvage is a distant relative to the queen of England, we should mention. And his goons say that in order for that to happen, he needs the Archbishop of Canterbury to do that. Uh, at the moment, we, they are capturing the Archduke of Canterbury's likeness to use as a mold for a mask. And then Sauvage also has English Johnny English's house bug and just to keep tabs on him. So MI7 gets the identity, identities of the two thieves and that they are in the employ of Sauvage. Pegasus rejects the idea that Sauvage is involved and forbids English from considering him a suspect. And English is not allowed to be within 100 feet, 100 feet of Sauvage at the event. So immediately 
English starts giving Bog tasks and equipment to, to secure because he plans to break into Savage's headquarters. As they're planning this in the parking garage, one of Savage's men pops up from under one of the cars and starts shooting at them. They exchange fire, and then English's gun malfunctions, and the guy escapes onto a different level. So Bog and English try to track him down, with the guy escaping at every turn. English then sees a pair of legs on a higher level than him, so he grabs them and pulls them down, but it winds up being Bog. <laughs> on the car ride home, English tells Bog that it must have been another goon that he pulled that pulled him down and, and knocked him out, because there must have been multiple ones of them. Yeah, and then, Bo- and then Bog goes, then where were you? Yeah, he says, just leave it. Yeah, just right. leave it, yeah. Yeah, I, that's what that's when that was the main point when I started thinking about that that twist with that. It's like him starting to not be as you know accepting of Johnny English's answers. Yeah, him realizing that he's an yeah. idiot. Yeah, never it never comes to fruition though. No, you'd think. He then sees the motorcycle parked outside a sushi restaurant, so he goes inside and finds Miss Campbell. He tries to get info from her, but she's not giving anything. He then tries to pass himself off as a sushi, a sushi expert and sees sea urchin, which apparently is pretty gross. He then gets his tie stuck in the conveyor belt, and she leaves. That old guy. Yeah, it's, again, man, awful. Just it, it doesn't land at all, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know what the point of that was. I don't need to allow her to get away. But why not? Why not go with like the poison suit, the poison uh, urchin gag, right? English doesn't know that. Uh, um, was it pufferfish or does it? What does he have? Sea urchin. Yeah, sea urchin. Sea urchin. That's poisonous, right? I think you're thinking of blowfish. Blowfish. Oh, okay. That's yeah. why you don't go with that gag then. <laughs> yeah. She I mentions she could... the reason why sea urchin is gross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Because they. What do they pee out of their? Uh... Yeah. They eat. They eat and. You know, do their business out of the same hole. Right. Take a shit out of their legs yeah. or something. There you go. Gotcha. Um, family yeah. show. <laughs> it's a family show. It's, it's when. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm used to being on the game ball pod. <laughs> and even then, it's borderline. Uh, so then he he gets his tie stuck in the variable and she leaves. Bog and English are then seen on a government plane go over plan to infiltrate Savage's tower which is apparently directly next to a hospital that has identicals to Savage's building. Bog jumps out of the plane first. He's supposed to turn off the alarm system to allow English to enter. Then English goes and lands quite impressively on the roof. He rappels down and infiltrates, but to the viewer, it's obvious that he has landed on the hospital. He thinks Savage has a lab that he's doing experiments on people. English then tries to help a free an old man that is there for tests and starts accumulating doctors as hostages. He then demands to know where Savage's office is, and all the nurses and doctors just look across the out the window across the street. And then he turns and looks and he sees Bog through the window standing in Savage's tower. Yeah, and the uh, building we should mention has Savage written on the side of it. Yep. He then tells the hospital staff that he's taken prisoner, that it's all been a test and that they passed. So then he leaves and he goes next door and Bog lets him in on the other side. They make their way up when they are stopped by a guard. English hits the guy with a ring that pierces the guard uh, with muscle relaxer and Bog knocks him out physically. They then snoop around and see a lab where they are testing a mask they made of the archbishop on a stand-in. Notices a weird back tattoo on the stand-in. They then sneak into Savage's office and accidentally uncover Savage's plan via a DVD and he wants the power that the queen has. So then another guard shows up and English demands he tell him the plan, so English hits him with a truth serum needle ring. Instead, he has switched the rings and he hits him with a knockout ring and accidentally himself with it too. Real, qu- real quick. Yeah. 
John Malkovich says that the queen has the most power out of any standing, uh, like authority. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I thought she 100% was really just... not true. Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck? What is going on here? Right, she's basically just a figurehead. Yeah, she doesn't really have much power. I think that's actually a question on uh, on IMDb. Like, does the queen really have as much power as they say in this? Like, no, no she's basically nothing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just really tradition that she's there. Yeah, there was a whole document written in the 1500s that sort of took the power away from her. Yeah, oh, that's true. Does the <laughs> British monarch really have all the powers mentioned in the film? No, in practice, the queen has no power, acting merely as a ceremonial head of state with most of his or her powers exercised by the government. In theory, she has certain powers to refuse to dissolve parliament, to appoint anyone she likes as prime minister, dismiss a prime minister and his or her government, to refuse to give the royal assent to a bill, and to refuse the queen's consent where direct monarchical, monarchical assent is required for a bill affecting the prerogative hereditary revenues. But the idea that the monarch can arbitrarily seize land from its owner is fictional. There Good go. to know. So, and, and also, I'm assuming that spies don't go around and telling civilians that they are spies working for the spy company. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's got to be a big no-no. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. I'm part of MI7, the secret spy network that you <laughs> right. shouldn't know about. Right. That's, that would be like if, you know, uh, someone from S.H.I.E.L.D. just walked yeah. around like, yeah, I'm with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. You're, this was just a test. Yeah. Or if you talk about Fight Club. Oh, that's yeah. even worse. That's true. <laughs> so some more guards show up and catch English and the other guard rolling around on the ground until Miss Campbell shows up and hits them with a fire extinguisher. Ms. Campbell identifies herself as Interpol and says they've been tracking Savage for months because uh, Savage has been employing criminals that have been released from his own prisons. They have a run-in with the guard that he thought that he knocked out with a muscle relaxer, but he actually gave him the truth serum, so they ask him how to get to the party and then knock him out again. They go down to the party as English is still under the muscle relaxant, so he makes a fool of himself until Campbell takes him to the dance floor and dances with him till, in an effort to look less conspicuous. Savage sees him because he knows who Johnny English is because he's seen his face, so not very conspicuous at all. Savage then talks to Pegasus and tells him that English and Bog have broken into his office and have assaulted his staff. Pegasus orders Bog to go home and take English off the case. Savage then makes a call to his staff changing the plan he stops the phony archbishop plan and orders his men to pay a visit to the queen at the palace armed guards just walk right into the queen's office appointing a gun at her and her dog until she signs an abdication letter this is all very anticlimactic right yeah she's just like okay here's a here's a very complicated plan that i've had to try and get the throne but oh there's a secret agent is too close so i'm just gonna force my way into her quarters and just demand that she signs this that's Not the problem the with this movie, right? It, they they build up this whole big plan from John Malkovich, and he just goes to plan B, like it's nothing. Like, oh, you know, like, why don't I just take this by force? <laughs> like, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. It, it's so anticlimactic. It's such a bad twist. So then the next morning, the Prime Minister informs Savage that he's now the rightful heir to the throne. Again, super anticlimactic. One of the ger- the goons drops off the crown jewels to the police, and Savage arranges for his immediate coronation. In the middle of London, yep. he's carrying the fucking crown jewels. Yep, and it's like an open bag, too. Yeah. So we see so we see that the crown is in there. He literally drops it off in front of a precinct. Yep. 
you don't think someone it's all of a sudden London turned into fucking 24 hours later or 24 days later or whatever it's this is ridiculous <laughs> Campbell shows up at English's flat and tells him the case was reassigned to her and she wants his help she tells him that Savage is meeting at his French chateau with 13 of the biggest criminal masterminds in the world he refuses but she shows him that he still has some fight left in him by trying to attack him and he block blocking all her uh, blows and they take the Aston Martin to France. It's the first time we see that, by the way, that he actually knows how to fight. Yeah. He has like brief glimpses of like, oh yeah, I'm a secret agent. Like the whole Aston Martin off the back of the, the truck thing. That's cool. And then him landing perfectly after, besides the fact that it was a hospital, he landed perfectly uh, on the hospital <laughs> on the roof. Like he landed on like the ledge and then it, this. It, it wouldn't have made more sense that when they first met, she goes after him and he's like, obviously he's so inept that she just lands blow after blow on him, right? That, that would make more, more sense, no? It, to this it, scene. For, th for this movie, yes. It, it feels like they're trying to do something here where it's like, oh, like Johnny's not as helpless as he seems, mm -hmm. but he's completely helpless except for these three moments. Right. It's, it like makes he, no sense. Like he solves, he saves the day by being a buffoon. Yeah, yeah. Like if the third act is him like realizing his skills as a secret agent in order to save the day, that would be different. Like mm -hmm. you see these glimpses of like, look, he could drive, he could drive an Aston Martin really well. Right. He can When he needs to, he could defend himself in a fight and you know, he can... Yeah. He could fly, he could parachute perfectly onto a, a high rise. Those three things he does really well in this movie, but it doesn't pay off that he can do them well. Right. Yeah. Are you talking about when he has his uh, Jason Bourne moment in the apartment? Where yeah. He goes yeah. He's, punch he's him blocking and... the blows. Yeah. It, it, it should have been, I don't know if you, you gentlemen have ever seen Beverly Hills Ninja, but that's what uh, you just described. When I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Where Chris Farley is just so terrible at being a ninja, but in the third act, his, his brother is you know he's in danger so all of a sudden it like kicks in his ninja his ninja fighting style and he starts kicking ass that's what it should have been where you yeah. know he's backed into a corner and he just instinctually whips out the the spy uh, skills yeah it should be like he's so he's a buffoon because he just is trying too hard really he's trying yeah. to put on these airs he's trying to He's seen all the James Bond movies, so he's trying to pretend to be what he isn't. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. that should that should be the reveal. It's like, you know, Johnny, you're you just gotta be yourself, and everything yeah, don't else overthink will come. it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it should be the reveal. But he just kind of he fucks it up anyway at the end, but he winds up saving the day. The, the ending <laughs> is terrible. It's yeah. so bad. It's grating. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's really like why I don't know what they were thinking with that. Uh, that turn because in this scene we find out like pretty much john malkovich's character lays out his evil plan and he has hard hard copy of it physical evidence and it, it never comes into play again yeah well, he well he doesn't have hard evidence he takes the he, wrong hard evidence well, I'm yeah saying, it's, it, that's the bit johnny english takes the wrong evidence but the evidence yeah. is there he sure. just fucks it up yeah so they, she finally convinces him and they take the Aston Martin to France. And then there's a scene that is supposed to mock those sexual tension scenes in Bond movies between Campbell and English. And they're off to infiltrate Sauvage's chateau. English then says that he's done a thorough search and the only way is through the sewer pipes. 
So he goes there and comes out of toilet covered head to toe in shit. Campbell immediately finds another way in via a ladder, which I had to play this back twice. And this was just a, a very small thing. It doesn't really make the movie worse or better. But it's so obvious that it's like a stunt person in a wig while she's climbing up the ladder. Because the, <laughs> the wig is not pulling off what we think. Like Natalie and Burley's hair looks at it. It looks a little more like puffed out. And she's got a little more junk in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what gave it away. Yeah. I was like, oh, that, that doesn't look like her from what we've seen. <laughs> I didn't notice, to be honest. <laughs> like, I had paused, like, I paused it so I could catch up on my notes. And I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> that doesn't look like her. We've been uh, duped. Yeah. So, uh, after Campbell, uh, so Campbell immediately finds another way in. She then catches up with Johnny, who stinks like shit. So she throws him in a sh- into a shower to wash the stink off. They both eavesdrop onto Savage's dinner with the evil masterminds and he lays out his plan it turns out that his plan is to turn england into a giant prison which i guess then he's just going to make money off of because he is a prison baron and then they hear that so camel and english try to create a plan to stop Savage, but english accidentally turns on a mic and broadcasts his plan into the dining room so everyone hears so english puts his plan into action and is immediately foiled by some guards. Though the guards still allow English to get a shot off, but his gun was full of literal shit and it doesn't fire. That was so. weird, right? <laughs> so yeah, he could have just he could have killed Savage right there. Yeah, that... if I'm Savage, I'm like, what do you you guys are all fired. <laughs> you guys are or killed. I'm killing you now. Yeah. It's like I'm lucky that he's an idiot. Right. Because you guys long... didn't do your job. How long are you gonna let him point the gun at me there, fellas? <laughs> How many shots are you gonna try? Let him try. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, like, you, how lucky could you be, really? <laughs> I, I, I thought that to myself. I was like, that. You know, he's still holding the gun there, and he's talking about ending him. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I will never allow you to take England and pulls the trigger. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. Maybe one of them wanted to just like, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> I'm interested right saying. now. Right. Yeah. I'm intrigued. <laughs> uh, so Savage then goes to get coronated, leaving English and Campbell tied up in his chateau. As they try to escape, Bog comes in through the sewer like English and helps them escape. Uh, so they drive back to English, England to stop the coronation while Bog smells like shit. At the coronation, English knocks out one of the bishops and stands in front of them. Hold on a second. This cat's going to start making some noise. He knows. Ted, are you settled? Uh, at the coronation english knocks out one of the bishops and stands in for them so the archbishop asks the three bishops if they approve the coronation english jumps up and objects and they then accosts the archbishop trying to remove what he still thinks is a mask camel meanwhile is having a fight with one of savage's goons who has a sniper rifle english then pulls down the archbishop's pants to try and show the tattoo that he had seen something about jesus is coming yeah, uh, what is it? It's, uh, are you prepared for Jesus or something like that? This is coming. Are you prepared or more or less? It's some joke, sort of, but I don't remember what it is exactly. And obviously, as we know, the it's the real archbishop this time, not the original plan. So he doesn't have that to it, too. So Savage then orders the guards to take English away. And as he's being let out, he tells Bog to play the DVD that they took from Savage's that details his plan. But it winds up being a DVD of the surveillance of Savage's planted in English's bathroom, and it's of him dancing to ABBA. And during the distraction, English runs off. 
So then Sauvage orders them to continue the ceremony, and then English swings in on a rope and steals the crown. Sauvage then said, then shoots at English, knocking the crown out of his hand and demands to be crowned. Before Sauvage's crown, English drops on him and gets crowned instead. He then orders the guards to take Sauvage away. And that's the, the climax of the movie. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Sauvage basically says, I'm evil, and blows the whole plan because he's just annoyed. He had yep. enough of Johnny English's uh, buffoonery. Yep. As did we all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, about an hour ago. <laughs> Eventually, English returns the crown to Queen Elizabeth II and asks to be knighted. English then takes Campbell to a romantic getaway to the south of France, and as they are about to kiss, he accidentally pushes the eject button on the Aston Martin, and she just go f- goes flying out, out of the sunroof. It would have been yeah. great if she just, like, broke her neck on, on landing. Don't you speak ill of a Natalie and Bruvia. <laughs> Then it would have been a, better. <laughs> then we get a mid-credit scene of her landing in a pool at a resort that Bog is at, along with the weird-looking man that English described in the beginning. And that's the end of Johnny English, Dan's favorite movie we've ever done. God damn it! That that ending. That's that's the anti-Marvel end credit scene. <laughs> like where every, everyone's waiting, and you know, like oh, well, who are they gonna introduce? What are they gonna do? If if Marvel had did that, done something like that, it would have ended Marvel. That would have been <laughs> there would be no MCU. We would have never have gotten Endgame, and yeah, it, everyone would have just been. It would have been 2020 before 2020. <laughs> That's what that ending is. That's the 2020 ending of movies. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's not great. I I was bored, but I think in the script, I think script wise, I think. Like I said, I think there are worse Bond movies that these two guys have written. I think it it's not funny, but a, as a Bond script, it's not terrible. I agree. I yeah, I'm being very harsh on it. it. At the at the worst, it was super boring. Yeah. Um. The the, the jokes I, just didn't land for me. I I was not getting that vibe at all, Dan, from you. <laughs> you didn't I like know. this movie. Well, I I think I went a little overboard with my hatred of it. Um. It, I think the like I said the biggest the biggest problem it introduced us was just just it's repetitive and boring. Uh, the jokes are too close together. They don't get a chance to really breathe and be their own joke. Like it's like how many how many uh, weird situations can we put Mr. Bean in? Because like we said, he's known for being slapstick. Like how how many jokes can we fit into a scene? Yeah, that, that's essentially why. I think we agreed early on that the only way to make this movie better, maybe they do it with the other two, we're probably not going to find out, unlike Stalked by My Doctor, um, is that uh, maybe they make it more Naked Gun, you know, as they as they go on, you know, like figure out. But I, I don't think it works as well as they thought, dropping the buffoon character into the straight action movie, um, because it gets it gets the reactions like Dan has, sure, you know. But and I and yeah, I guess Liz, Leslie Nielsen has has made this movie. It's called Spy Hard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I totally forgot that movie existed. Yeah. Never saw it though. Can't oh, imagine it being very same. good. Oh, I you know I haven't seen it since I was a kid, exactly. and I I loved every Leslie Nielsen movie I ever saw. Was, Dracula was, Dead and loving it. Loved oh, it. I love that that movie gets a bad rap. I love that movie. Yeah. But <laughs> that, yeah. that was one of the uh, the last Mel Brooks movies, right? Yeah, I don't remember the last movie. I guess he, the, the producers was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe he did something with that. 
Uh, I don't know if he made it, but yeah, I think to make this movie better, I, I like the idea that Mark had where Natalie and Bruglia is the the partner who's just constantly bailing him out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he shows signs of being a competent uh, agent and then just overthinking things. And then maybe he finds his Zen towards the end and he's able to stop John Malkovich. Yeah. And you, you got to do something with that ending. I mean, you, and literally, literally anything, just like, even if you trick him into showing the DVD of his master plan, mm-hmm. not just having John Malkovich have a mental breakdown and discuss how he's bad. You can't do that. That's, that's kind of insulting. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I agree. I think we've kind of laid out how we would make this movie better. Like I said, it was boring and the ending isn't very fulfilling. So yeah. Plug your shit. Sure. Uh, at Diaquino122, personal Twitter, uh, at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. We, for the fourth month in a row, this podcast, they called this a movie, and Stranger Damies has been featured on the top 50 podcasts of the month. So yeah, four in a row. We're, uh, we're still going strong. Thank you for those who voted for us. Thank you for, you know, listening. We truly appreciate it. And uh, thank you to uh, our good friend Jake for picking this awful, boring movie. (laughs) We're going to have to have a talk, Jake. I'm sorry. (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for that. If you want to if you want to recommend a movie, please message us. We would be more than happy to tear apart the movie you want us to watch. We have uh, our other two podcasts. Uh, Stranger Damies airs every Wednesday. That's our D&D podcast. You can find that everywhere at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram as well at Stranger Damies. Um, and then we have our video game podcast, Game Vault Pod, and that airs every other Monday. So be sure to check that out. We also stream on uh, Twitch.tv slash Game Vault Pod every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday and Sunday and every other Monday. The easiest way to keep track of the schedule is just to follow us on Twitter. You know, it'll either be a pinned tweet or we will tweet out a few hours beforehand when we're going live. We have set shows like Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday tend to be solid those days. And then the the Dead by Daylight stream floats between Friday and Saturday. So just keep a lookout. That's the best way. Be sure to just uh, reach out with any questions, recommendations for games or topics um, on Game Ball Pod. And I'm always looking for fan art for the D&D side. So feel free to send that stuff along. Okay. And where they call this a movie, you can find us at they call this a movie.podbean.com on, on all podcast streaming apps, just searching they call this a movie. We're also on all social media by searching the main naming, and the main is our main website. You go on there, the main find all our articles, podcasts, everything there we put there we are also a proud member of geek vibes nation you find them at gvnation.com and on all podcasts and social at geek vibes nation so just search for geek vibes nation we'll pop right on up we'll our shows there a bunch of other great shows that i am not going to try and name tonight and yeah just check them out give them a follow that'd be great give us a follow again the main namey is on all social media there uh, so that's twitter facebook instagram at the main name we are fast approaching episode 100 next episode you hear will be episode 100 for this podcast so we're very excited about that we got a special movie lined up for it and then we're probably going to have a special episode soon after that 
So be on the lookout for that. If you have any questions or comments, you want to suggest a movie to us, check out the main name at gmail.com. You can hit us up there or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, it's probably the best place to get a hold of us. And and that's it. We got we got October coming up, so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing some horror movies shortly. Uh, we're very excited about the next few weeks coming up. So don't forget if you if you got the time, you got the if you like us, go on to iTunes, give us a five star rating and a review that would help us out a great deal. So that's gonna wrap it up this week. Uh, I am Ant Anthony Delvecchio. You can find me at on Twitter at Ant Delvec. And the director of Johnny English is Peter Howitt. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Peter Howitt, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Mm-hmm.